south, <laughs> or whether it's actually a sort of age. Do you remember Rainbow, Jonathan? And I found, as we were praying, I just saw, remember Zippy? Oh, he was so annoying, wasn't he? And like he would, he would like just sort of say, and, event, and there came a point where Jeffrey got really fed up, and he would just like zip, zip his <laughs> mouth across. And I felt as we were praying that we were doing that to the enemy, we were doing that to the devil, because the devil wants to speak annoying things into our lives, things which will try to destroy us and undermine us and break our faith. And I just saw as we were praying, just zippy zip across his mouth, said he can't speak anymore. Just shut up now in the name of Jesus Christ. Not that Jeffrey ever said shut up, you know, but it was like too rude. But um, I'm glad he watched Rainbow. It's great. So, um, so let's just keep praying that Zippy will have his zip zipped um, in, in that situation um, that we were praying about there before. So these are not my glasses. They're yours. <laughs> <laughs> let's turn to Psalm 8 and... Um, Thanks, Ruth, for what you were showing before, because um, I write down every single word, well, not every word, I write down all the good words that people share um, on a Sunday morning, and what I've been doing this morning is um, I've been going through the sermon since July and just highlighting what God has been saying to me, you know, it's been really, really good, and as Ruth said before, these talks that we give, they're not like a wedding speech, you go along and, oh yeah, that was a nice wedding speech and forget it, it's discipleship training on a Sunday morning, I felt God was saying that to me quite clearly this is discipleship training. Let's value what the teaching team bring to us because it's discipleship training. And if you aren't, aren't jotting things down, like, like I have to write things down and highlight stuff, that's just me. Uh, but if you're not doing that, please have a listen because I know I can't remember stuff. So, But I go back and have a listen, have a little think. Maybe when you get home, jot it down in a journal, whatever it is, because God is speaking and saying things really, really powerfully. Um, and one of the key things that God is saying at the moment is that that, um, and, and really everything that happened this morning is a demonstration of my talk today, that we are in a season of God exhorting, building, and restoring the church. He is restoring hope. We are in a season of hope being restored, of being raised up within our hearts. God is saying, come on, let's stir us up. Nearly every single talk, Dave Latham's talk, Adrian's talk, Andrew's talk, every talk that I've, that I've heard, there is an element there where God is saying, come on, church. Stir up your hope because there is more. God himself is establishing a church full of glory. God is doing it. It's not us working ourselves up into it. We're going to see a church where things get broken, where things get established, where foundations are laid, where we see miracles, um, and no matter how big or small those miracles are. And sometimes we just, we're just asleep to the miracles, aren't we? we got, things are happening every day. And we just need to be awake to what the miracles are that God is doing. God is bringing about a church with a people that will rule and reign in all things. So can we turn to Psalm 8? I'm going to start in Psalm 8. I'm going to end up in Luke chapter 9. We're going to look at 2 Corinthians and Ephesians 5. So there you go. And maybe one or two others on the way. But Adrian mentions uh, Psalm 8 in one of her talks. And I was reading through it. I think, wow. Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. As I read through this, this is what God wants to reestablish. You have set your glory in the heavens through the praise of children and infants. The weakest in amongst you. Through the praise of children and infants, you have established a stronghold against the enemies. To silence the foe and the avenger. 
when I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place? What is mankind that you are mindful of them? Human beings that you care for them? Question, here's the answer. You have made them a little lower than the angels and crowned them with glory and honor. You made them rulers over the works of your hand. You put everything under their feet. All flocks and herds and the animals of the wild, the birds in the sky and the fish in the sea, all that swim the paths of the seas. Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. God is reestablishing a people who will rule and reign, a church that will rule and reign. And where the world has no hope, we bring hope. We bring light where there is shadow and darkness. We bring freedom where there is depression. We bring God. He has laid a cornerstone for a church, a cornerstone of power and impact, a kingdom that is growing and that is bringing glory to the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings. And the enemy will try to undermine God's glory. The enemy will try to remove our hope. But these verses tell us in verse 2 that the weakest of us can stand against the enemy. The weakest of us in our praise and in our worship. Come, now is the time to worship. The weakest amongst us right now, whether you're young or old or whether, wherever you are, as Simone was saying before, the weakest among us can stand against the enemy and zip his zipper. Do not fear him, but look to Jesus. So let's turn to Luke chapter 9. And I spoke on Luke chapter 9 um, two or three weeks ago about the transfiguration of Jesus. And there's Jesus on this amazing mountaintop, and he's taken up within his disciples. And, um, and, and he's being transfigured up there. You know, his face changed. His clothes became as bright as lightning, and he was flashing out all kinds of like power and glory. There was Moses, the lawgiver. There was Elijah, the prophet there. And then in verse 32, it says this. And I don't know why I didn't speak on this. I remember thinking afterwards, why didn't I speak on that? It's such a great verse. Why didn't I mention that? And I think it's because God was saying, wait till now. So here we go. Verse 32. Peter and his companions were very sleepy. So all this was going on. All this glory was emanating out. This powerful moment was happening. This fulfillment of the promises of Moses were happening. And it says that Peter and his companions were very sleepy. I don't know if you've ever woken up half asleep or in, or in a daze or disorientated. Especially if you live, if you move somewhere, you're sleeping in a different bed. And you're like, well, where am I? And um, I got um, over the, it happened to me in the final week before we broke up for the summer holidays. And in the summer holidays, I got a fine. I know, confession time, church. I got a fine. And it was for a drive-off. It was like, you know, I'd filled the car up with petrol and I'd driven off without paying for it. That's, I've never done that. That's not me. That's not my character. That's not my nature. That's not my values. That's not... And I was afraid. I thought, that can't be me, can't be me. There was a photograph with a, <laughs> with a car and me next to the car, fill it up, six o'clock in the morning. So it was like I was on the way to work and obviously I got to like, it was, and it was the Friday, the last day. And I was exa- it was an exhaust. You know what you're like. If you're in school, you know what it's like. And it was that. I'd, I'd probably done about five assemblies that week and all sorts of stuff going on. And so it got to six o'clock in the morning. I filled up with petrol. I, for some reason, I got in the car and drove off. <laughs> So I've, I've paid it now, okay. I've, I've paid it and a bit more as well. Um, 
But you know, sometimes when we're asleep, when we're half asleep, when we're sleepy, we do things out of character. We slip into sin and things that we don't realize we're slipping into sometimes. Our lives shape out in the way that God doesn't really want them to shape out into. Because we're sleepy, we're asleep, we're not aware of what God is doing. We're disorientated. And as a church and as a world, we're sleepy. We're asleep. In the middle of one of the most amazing moments of glory, Peter and his companions were very sleepy. And it says that Jesus took them up the mountain with him. They weren't just tagging along. He could have gone on his own. He took them up for a purpose, and the purpose was to see his glory. And there they were, half asleep, not, not noticing. He wants to reveal his glory to us. He wants to reveal himself to us. Are we hungry for it? Are we awake to it? The whole world is, is at the moment, it's not just sleepy, it's asleep in the middle of, of God shining out his glory. It's not something that's about to happen or that one day we will see it. It's happening now. God is shining out his glory now. Can we see it? Do we perceive it? Or are we sleepy too in the middle of God's glory? One of the greatest thresholds of God establishing, I believe we're at one of the thresholds of God establishing his kingdom. And I believe the Bible is is fairly clear that, that he will establish his kingdom and do amazing things when people are least expecting it when they're half asleep. Now we can choose to be the half asleep people or we can choose to be the wide awake people. And I know which club I want to be in. Is God on the move while we're still in bed? Now is the time to wake up to all that God is doing. Now is the time for worship. But then I love the next part in Luke 9 verse 32. Peter's companions were very sleepy, comma, But when they became fully awake, they saw his glory. I love that bit. When they became fully awake. um, I don't know. I remember my first, I remember my first, I used to hate coffee. I remember my first cup of coffee down at Costa after being at church. I was exhausted. I had this cup of coffee. Wow, I was wide awake then. That was great. And I'm not addicted, but, you know, it was so good. I remember having an orange juice before going to bed. Wow, I was wide awake the next morning. You know, all these things, we just love our sleep, don't we? But I think more than anything, we love to have the energy that comes with it. And here is Peter. And when they were fully awake, they saw his glory and the two men standing with him. And it's only when they became fully awake that they realized what they were missing, that they saw the King of Kings, the great high priest Jesus, standing next to the great lawgiver Moses and the great prophet Elijah. And there was Jesus with his son face shining like the sun in all its brilliance. God has rescued the world from sin and now he wants to rescue his church from lethargy. He wants to rescue his church from tiredness. He wants to rescue his church from distraction and from lukewarmness. He wants to rescue his church from sleep and from death. That's what God is in the business of doing. He's in the business of rescuing you and me, of making us hungry again, desiring again, wanting again to see God move in our lives. And I know there is that within us. I love this church. I love coming to this church because I know it's here. I know that people here are really wanting that, but there is more. And I was going through my notes about Dave Latham's talk, and Dave Latham kind of said the same kind of thing, that God wants to break every assailant. I love that. You know, if you feel assailed, God wants to break every assailant in your life. 
He wants to transform every landscape from desert to a place where anything can bloom. He wants to use you again when you thought maybe God could never use you again. He wants to use you again to overcome disappointment, to overcome failure. He wants to use you again. He wants to restore hope where you've lost your hope. He wants to raise your expectation where your expectation has gone down. And as Karen stood up here earlier on, um, it was just so good to hear that because that's, that's somebody speaking with expectation. Revelation chapter 3, verse 20. Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. God will never leave us stagnant or asleep. His desire is for us to be fully awake for his glory. To wake up to his light. I love this passage in Ephesians chapter 5. Um, Ephesians is amazing, isn't it? Ephesians chapter 5, verse 13. So let's, let's just dip into that for a minute or two. And, and it says this, everything that is exposed by the light becomes visible. We kind of know that, don't we? Everything, but I love the next bit. Everything exposed by the light becomes visible. And I imagine Peter on the side of the hill there and, and then Jesus' clothes are like as bright as lightning and I think that's kind of what woke him up. It kind of exposed his sleepiness, didn't it? The light of Jesus sometimes. We come along to a meeting like this and everybody's worshipping away and we're sat in the background thinking, oh, I don't know what all the fuss is about. The light is exposing your sleepiness, your distraction, your cynicism and it's a bit uncomfortable. It's happened to me. I sit there in my little kind of like moaning about my week state that I get sometimes like we all get like that don't we a bit of self-pity sat there in me self-pity nobody's life is as hard as my life and everybody else is worshipping it's all right for you you're worshipping away my life's really hard but God is just exposing to me the state of my heart and he's saying come on Mike get with the plan yeah. everything that is exposed by the light becomes visible and everything that is illuminated becomes a light Sometimes you read the word of God, sometimes it's good to pause, isn't it? Everything that is illuminated becomes a light. Adrian shared in, in her talk that we are called to bear his image well. We are called to bear his image well. As Jesus becomes more and more apparent in our lives, we become his light. Not just share his light, not just point to the light, not just show his light we become his light we become a habitation of the presence of God in the community we become a habitation of the presence of God it's really powerful and it's a privilege and it's something that we just can't ignore because God is in the business of using us to make a difference in people's lives people's families it is through your prayers for each other, that miracles will happen. And your prayers matter. Your worship matters. Your coming along on a Sunday morning matters because you are a light. And just imagine, you know, got one little torch here. I should have, like, should have done this as a demonstration. But just imagine more and more torches. Remember at Willow Creek, I think it was, they did this one year where they just everybody brought a torch. And it's just like one little torch there. But just imagine everybody bringing a torch. Imagine hundreds of people with torches just shining. Can you imagine the light that comes from that and the power that comes from that?
God wants us to become the light in our workplaces, in our families, in our neighborhoods, in our ministries, in our lives. And then Paul continues in Ephesians. He says this, Wake up, O sleeper. Wake up, sleeper. Rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. He says, as it says, well, that was probably an early, early church hymn, but probably based on Isaiah chapter 60, verse 1. Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord rises upon you. Paul says, wake up to the Ephesians. So what does waking up look like? So there's three things Paul talks about. So here's three things of what it looks like when we're waking up. And the first one is verse 18. Be filled with the Spirit. So the first thing is you're filled with the Spirit. The Spirit, not, as Andy said in one of his talks, not as a visitor, but an inhabitor. The one who helps us to live in obedience to his image. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, um, verse 17. And again, I think Andy shared this one. Um, let's just turn to that one. 2 Corinthians 3, verse 17. I'll read it out to you. Now the Lord is the Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all, who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory, are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. If you've not been filled with the Spirit, or if you feel like you just need a little bit more, I love Adrian's picture of the balloon. I don't know if it's Adrian's picture, or if she might have nicked it, but it doesn't matter. The, you nicked it. The balloon, where you kind of like, people say, oh, we, we leak the Holy Spirit. We don't. We just need more and more of him, don't we? Can you imagine this balloon that's just filled and filled and filled with the Holy Spirit? And the bigger it gets, the more obvious it gets. I love that. I love that. And, and, and the Holy Spirit wants to occupy our lives daily. You and me, I know when I'm preaching, I'm just praying for the Holy Spirit, or when I'm driving into work and I know I've got to do it, I'll just pray for the Holy Spirit. You know, you, we need the Holy Spirit. We need God himself to live within us. And if you need somebody to pray for you to be filled with the Holy Spirit, or to have that refreshing of the Holy Spirit again, then do it, and then we'll begin to see um, 2 Corinthians 3.17 happening in our lives. That's the first thing. Be filled with the Spirit. If you've become ignorant of the Spirit, if you've not spoken to the Holy Spirit, if you've ignored the Holy Spirit, please don't. He loves you. And he wants you to love him. The Holy Spirit wants you to love him daily. Just to say, I love you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Good morning, Holy Spirit. Help me, Holy Spirit. Just talk to the Holy Spirit. The one who comes alongside us. The, can't, the one who helps us. And the second thing is this. Worship. Verse 19. Speak to one another with psalms, hymns, songs. I love this bit. From your heart. I mean, the worship this morning, it had passion there, didn't it? And some of the songs were talking about this. To worship with passion, not just by rote, as Ruth was saying. We come along with our bubbles, and, and, and we need God sometimes just to pop those bubbles Say, come on, it was so good this morning praying. God wants us to have worship-filled prayer and prayer-filled worship. To really know that power of worship. And the reason I got Andy to come and, and play his guitar when we're praying before is because there's something powerful about worship and, and, and music as we are interceding. And when we get up there to heaven, there's just going to be such worship. And it's going to be a dynamic worship that takes place up there. 
Remember the other week when um, Mike stood up at the beginning and we started singing, This is the Day. This is, that's really powerful. Great song. Just sing that song. This is the day that the Lord has made. Such a great song. Let's fill our lives with worship. Fill our lives with the Spirit. And the third thing that Paul talks about in verse 20 is this. Always giving thanks. So in our small group this week, a few of us were sharing about our walk with God. And it was Karen Adams was, was talking about giving thanks, giving thanks, giving, no matter what's going on, giving thanks, giving thanks. And the thing about giving thanks is it restores hope. When you begin to give thanks to God, your perspective changes. The self-pitying Mike becomes a hope-filled Mike. He becomes a possibility Mike instead of an impossibility Mike. He becomes an overcomer instead of an overcome. <laughs> I love giving thanks. Giving thanks to God is powerful. And there are many testimonies and stories of God healing people just when they began to give thanks to him. Of God doing amazing things in people's lives just when they began to give thanks for the small things, for the clothes we wear and the food on the table and the beautiful people in the church that we go to. To start to give thanks. And maybe those things that you complain about most, maybe begin to start with that. Start with giving thanks for those things. It was powerful what Andrew was sharing the other week. You know, he was saying about when you're going through a struggle, then pray for other people in that same struggle. I think it was really good, actually, really insightful, because, because you know how to pray for those people, don't you? That thing you're struggling for, you really need help with, pray for other people in that one. And what's interesting in that, isn't it? It'd be interesting to see what happens as we begin to step into that, because maybe God will speak to you for those other people, and then all of a sudden you might realize that's for you as well. But, but you know, it's so important, isn't it, to give thanks and to step into that new perspective that God wants us to have. So being filled with the Spirit, worshipping from the heart, always giving thanks for everything, that's what waking up looks like. Just do those three things, and we'll start to wake up. And we'll start to see God moving more and more in our lives. He's in the business of raising the dead. Matthew, um, Matthew 27. I was, reading, I was reading through this as I was thinking about being raised from the dead, and I was thinking about the, the death of Jesus. And Matthew 27, verse 51, it's tells us about when he died. He, he gave up his spirit. And in verse 51, it says this. At that moment, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. The earth shook. The rocks split. And the tombs broke open. The bodies of many holy people who had died were raised to life. How powerful is that? Listen to the next bit. They came out of the tombs after Jesus' resurrection. And I've not seen that before. So, so Jesus died. They were raised to life. The tombs were broken open, but they stayed there for three days until Jesus led the way. Jesus died. The stone was rolled away. He came out, and then they followed. And it's so Amazing that they waited for Jesus. But here's the news. We don't have to. We can be raised to life. We can be born again. But we can still be living in our tombs. Hidden away. And God says, you don't have to hide away because I have already risen. Follow me out of the tomb. 
you rose up from the dead, then I will too. If he rose up from the dead, then so can I. Jesus has led the way, and there are still people in the church who are still in the tomb, waiting for the okay from God to come out. They've been raised to life, they've been born again, but they're waiting for the okay to come out. Well, the okay is now. Come out of the tomb. Wake up, O sleeper, and rise from the dead. When Jesus broke out of the tomb, so did they. Don't wait one second longer. Come out now, because God is hungry for you to be hungry for him. He is hungry for you to come out of the tomb. To leave our tombs behind, to leave our past behind, to leave our mistakes behind. That is why, before we began to teach on glory, God says, teach on grace. So the grace of God says, come as you are. Come as you are, come out of the tomb. I'm just going to finish with Isaiah 26, verse 19. Isaiah 26, verse 19 says this, Your dead will live. Their bodies will rise. You who dwell in the dust, wake up and shout for joy. When I wake up in the morning, it's normally pretty dark. I'm, I'm an early riser. Um, so, and, and I'm creeping. I wake up and I like creep around the house. The amount of times I've stubbed my toes. Yeah. I went to school one day with odd shoes on. And I stood there in the assembly, and all these year six girls were laughing at me. They were, what are you laughing at? I looked down, I had two odd shoes on, and they spotted that because I was getting dressed in the dark. I was creeping around in the dark. God wants us to wake up in our faith, and he doesn't want us to creep around anymore. He wants us to wake up loud. He wants us to disturb the world. He wants us to rattle the pans. He wants us to shake the doors. He wants us to stomp on the stairs. He wants us to be as loud as we can because we've got a message to declare to the whole world. Wake up. Shout for joy. And so when we worship, and we're going we're gonna to have a little bit more worship before we have our tea and our coffee and we go off shouting into the world. Um, I'd like us to really begin to gain a new confidence in him, a hunger for him, and a waking up, that sleepiness. You know, that duvet, like Simone was talking before, extra 10 minutes, extra 10 minutes, I love that. It's like that duvet that we, oh, another 10 minutes, I'll just bring this duvet back over there. And God is out wanting to shake the world. He's wanting you to wake up and shout for joy and disturb the world, and we're under there. And I think we've become comfortable, and whether it's the pandemic or whether it's our lives or whether it's our mental world, I don't know what it is. But, but that bed is too comfy. It's comfier than it ever used to be, isn't it? Yeah. And we just need to push that duvet down. Good morning, Holy Spirit. Shout for joy. Get out there. Give thanks. Worship. Be filled with him. And we're going to begin to see the glory of God in our lives, in our situations. So over these next few weeks, and you know, next week Sue's going to be talking to us about tabernacle. And it's going to be so exciting because it's so powerful. God's, God's wanting to stir within us a hunger after him, a desire after him. And I think Andrew mentioned this in one of his talks, was that as we focus on Jesus, the more we focus on Jesus, the more we worship him, the more we give thanks to him, the more we want him, the more we desire him. 
And the more we desire him, the more we desire him. The more we worship him, the more we focus him the, on him, the more we'll hunger after him. So Lord God, let's just this morning we pray that you would stir up a hunger in our hearts, a desire in our hearts. Lord, we want to push off the duvet and wake up and shout for joy. We want to, Lord, no longer be sleepers, no longer people buried in the tomb. We want to be people who rise up because we've got a message. We've got a proclamation. We've got a declaration to the world that Jesus Christ is alive and he has risen. He has come to set the captives free. Every captive, excluding no one. Every single child in our families. Every single person that we know, Lord God. My children, Grace and Ellen and Hannah, Rebecca, Lord God. The people that we're naming in our hearts, Lord, right now. Lord, we want to wake up and shout for joy. We want to step in because we're hungry for you to move. We're hungry to see your glory. We're hungry, Lord God, that you would use us again. That you would transform the landscape, Lord God. That the parched land will be a a land that is just flowing with springs of living water. As we go into a a, a continuing time of worship right now, Lord, just encourage us to continue to engage with you, Lord God. And it wouldn't be just a one-off, but it would be something that just continues and embeds itself in our lives from now and onwards and forever. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, Simone. Thank you.